Welcome to the podcast of Dr. Michael Jacobs. We believe today's message will help you walk in faith and have victory now. So let's talk about the ministry a little bit of the prophet. These are actually, uh, these here are Dr. Dufresne's out of his book. One, he's got two books on prophets. And just my observation of him and observation of trying to walk in that myself a little bit. This was 2002 when I wrote this. But I want to talk to you about characteristics of prophets. And I think that's real important. And one of the things he says about that, when true prophets preach, they bring revelation. And, uh, and then so that's the first thing. And then let me, let me read on here. Uh, secondly, prophets have uh, the counsel of God in their heart. They just seem to know God really tight. It's like Amos, uh, Amos 3, 7 says, I will do nothing that I don't first communicate that with my prophets. See, sometimes the prophets are just further ahead. Not, not that we're superior to anybody, but the ministry of the prophet allows the prophet typically to see further and further than the average person. We know what's going to happen before it ever catches up. Okay, I'm just trying to get this over to him, Donna. I came in one time when I was a pastor several years ago. I said, this family, this family, this family, this, they're all leaving the church in the next four months. What? I said, write that down and see if it comes true. All of it came true. I didn't want them to leave, but I knew God told me they were leaving. It didn't matter the reason they left. That's what I get. How did I know that? I knew it by the Holy Ghost. And then I had a code word for my staff. These people over there sitting in the fifth row and two, two in, they're Paul people. People are weird. P-A-W, people are weird. Don't look at me like you don't know what weird is. You know we are weird people. Half the time they're not, they don't make sense when they talk and they're always trying to be real spiritual and they're not. Act like they're something they're not. I'm just talking. I, I'm not mad at them, but they're just not that. You know, when you have, a, you have a can of green beans and you open it's corn, you're thinking, man, I got deceived. Yeah. <laughs> or you go to a good steak place, a butcher, and you wanted a great, you know, real good ribeye, and he gave you a sirloin. You go, oh, man, I just got beat. Okay, I'm just talking. Not mad at people, but just be yourself, for goodness sake. Don't try to put on anything. Just be yourself. But the, the prophet seems to know the heart and pulse of God and what's happening with him. And then let's go back to Jeremiah 23. I, I found this. I knew it was in the Bible, but I read it again and got to studying it a little more about the false prophets so we could evaluate them for just a minute. And this, then we'll go on with the good qualities of prophets, hopefully. Of course, you could, you could do whatever you need to do. You know what I mean? Somebody could be right one day, one month, and then six months later, a year later, they're just all messed up. Just all messed up. Because like Dennis was preaching, you know, you have to stay encouraged in God. You have, and one thing you need to realize is I can help you, but I can't do it for you. That's not, and, and I'll just tell what I told Jessica is my older one, the girl that just sang right over here. And she was about 13. I put her on the couch and said, listen, Dad, Daddy, a minute. I said, you're going to have to start wearing your Bible out like your father has. Because I will not be able to carry you all through the rest of your life. I, I said this to her, if you study the Bible like I have... And make it a priority. As long as I'm living right and you're living right, I can agree with you for anything, but I cannot do it all for you. Amen. It's, it's good to have a conversation with your children if you have children and let them know that. And even people think the pastor can do it all or even me do it all. And that's impossible. You have a responsibility in this as much as I do. 
you're not required to do everything I'm doing because I'm, you know, I'm a, what am I trying to say? I'm not dislocated in a, a local church. Like Dad said, you just run everybody out, Michael, after a while. <laughs> if you're a really prophet, I think that's true. Yes. You're not trying to be mean to people, but just the way you think about things is different. You know, prophets have always been confrontational yeah. with people that needed confronted. Yeah. I got another, I'm going to talk about that in a minute, so let me let that lay a minute. Let's talk about false prophets here. You know, the Bible has a lot, more than just in Jeremiah. I'm just picking that as a good scripture. Jeremiah 23, and uh, let's see what I have here. Let's start at verse, uh, uh, what, let me see what that is, 14. I have seen also in the prophets of Jerusalem, this is God talking to the people of Jerusalem, Jeremiah 23, 14. Did I give you that reference? It says, I've seen a horrible thing. They commit adultery and they walk in lies. They strengthen also the bands of evil do the hands of evildoers that none doth return from his wickedness. You know, if you think about it a minute, what Pastor D Dennis said was really enlightening, but it was really uplifting if you're living right and trying to live, even if you got an issue that had to be corrected when he spoke. Yeah. You know, I got up here and said to you, you know, I'm receiving that. I think I'm fairly good with God. I'm tight with him. You know what I mean? But I'm not saying I got it all figured out every, every too. I'm just trying to get closer to him. I don't, I don't know when, when he's coming back. Some preachers study that. I know Pastor Dennis has to some level in the past. But I just believe it's all going to pan out. He's going to come when it's time for him to come. And if I'm still here, I'm going up. So I'm just talking here. But these guys were so wicked, they were strengthening people that were wicked. And here it is, we're in this day right now. They are full of them unto me as Sodom and the inhabitants of Gomorrah. Well, we see that constantly on commercials, on sitcoms. I don't watch them normally, but I mean, you just see that in your... And I don't watch a lot of TV either anymore because it's so corrupt. It says, therefore, thus saith the Lord of hosts concerning the prophets... Behold, I will feed them with wormwood, that's not good, and make them drink and water of gall, or for from the prophets of Jerusalem a profaneness has gone forth into the land. They weren't, they weren't telling people what they needed to do to stay close to God or even representing that. How do you do that? But they were teaching people that were wrong to be more wrong. So it's, I, I think, a horrible thing. He said, when I read that first time, a horrible thing, I went, uh-oh. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, hearken not unto the words of the prophets. He's talking about those that lie. Uh, that prophesy unto you, they make you vain. They speak a vision of their own heart. In other words, it wasn't a vision that God gave them. It was of their own heart and flesh that made it up and not out of the mouth of the Lord. They say still unto them that despise me, the Lord has said, you shall have peace. And they shall say, everyone that walks after the imagination of his own heart, no evil shall come upon me. And then it's not talking about people that are spirit-filled or praying in tongues. Of course, there could be some that pray in tongues too, but then they don't live right. The flesh has got them bound or something, you know, or the devil has made an entrance and he's got them uh, addicted to something. Maybe they're not totally possessed, but they're, the devil is compromising them as he goes. I think it's important that you learn to walk right before the Lord and keep walking right. I'm not hounding you. I'm just telling you, you know, I don't want to go to hell, do you? And I don't want to just live on a half, half in, half out of the church. I want to live committed and, and dedicated to him and do my best to take authority over anything that tries to come. Yeah. So uh, I have down here, true prophets preach with unction and truth, whether it's popular or not. I think like Dennis said, and a lot of, I've thought about this a lot in the last 20 years. A lot of churches think they're all that because they've got a lot of people. 
But like Dad, you say, a lot of them are renegades. They don't ever address anything that's meaningful in your life. They do what you want. And the recreation part is evident in our society. People love basketball better than they love Jesus. That's just one. And there's thousands of other stuff like that. You know, I'm just talking to us here. And uh, he said, there are a lot of Holy Ghost nightclubs and bless me clubs. It's a Holy Ghost deal. They say it's a Holy Ghost. but A true prophet cannot turn the gifts on at any time he wants to. It's exercised as the Spirit will. So let's go over here and look at 1 Corinthians 12 and 11 a minute. Would that be all right? These are things that I go over frequently, even though I originally wrote this in 204. 1 Corinthians, uh, let me see here, 12 and 11. He's talking about the gifts of the Spirit, and for that he's talking about minister gifts up in up in verse uh, 4, 5, and 6, and the difference in their administration and different things like that. Verse 11 says, But all these worketh that one and selfsame spirit, dividing to every man. It, the word is severally in our uh, King James, James Bible, but the word there is individually as he wills. So it's got to be as God wills. You could do things, but you can't just do things and be anointed to do it unless God's willing to anoint you to do that. I don't think we see that sometimes. So it's as he wills, as the Holy Ghost wills to help us. He's the one that gives the unction to do certain things. And when you do it, you could have success. But if you try to do it without an unction, then it's a mess. Yeah. I mean, people are just really funny sometimes, not in a good way either. A true prophet cannot turn the gifts on at any time he wants to. Uh, The anointing needs to come in order to minister. Yeah. You know, Revelation 1.10 says, I was in the spirit... On the Lord's day. I was in the spirit. Now, you're in the spirit, in, generally speaking, because <coughs> your spirit's connected to God, who is the spirit. But it means a little different than this, I think, in Revelation 1.10. He had prayed and, and it was in the spirit. John, the apostle John, he was in the spirit on the Lord's day. And the Lord appeared to him and so forth, told him a lot and said, I'm the one to have the keys of hell and death now. Remember that in Revelation chapter 1. So look, we're talking about different things here. But we're talking about characteristics of the prophet, how he functions or she functions. You can be a, it's not a gender thing. Okay. All right. Let's see. Let's go to uh, Exodus 33:11, or you could just listen to me, whichever. I've got several scriptures spread out here. Exodus 33:11, I think is what I just said. <clears throat> I just think it's a, it's a, it's important to talk. Like, and you, you know, if you're a straight pastor or a teacher or both. And I've seen some good pastors that love people. And they couldn't hardly teach at all. But that, you know, and yet I could saw the love of God for the people they pastored. Yeah. Let me tell you something. People want to be loved and know that somebody loves them. Yeah. You, know, not that we, you, know, you don't have to be the best preacher of the group. Yeah. You just could love people and we're doing your best to preach whatever. And it might be simpler than others, but it's still the word. Yeah. And we, don't, we never get tired of hearing the basics. I don't. I still need to walk by faith every day. That means I can't just live any way I want. I can't just think anything I want unless my mind's been totally renewed and it's staying renewed. You know what I'm saying. But you cast down imagination is what it says. And take everything captive, everything captive that doesn't originate with God. Yeah. A lot of people get into trouble by thinking something they shouldn't think. And then they don't do anything to make it leave. And it just begins to mushroom in there. And then pretty soon person's doing things they wish they hadn't done. All right. So here I want to talk about the prophets, the friend of God. 
And here's, there's two verses. One here in Exodus 33, 11. And the Lord spake unto Moses face to face as a man speaketh unto his friend. Think about that. So he was kind of a friend of God. We could call that something about Moses. And then there's another scripture here that I think is real important. Amos 3 and 7. I may have mentioned it just a minute ago. Go back towards Malachi. And you run into Amos over here after the, the longer books. <clears throat> and uh, get past Daniel here and Hosea. And Amos is the next book after Joel. Amos 3. Uh, let me see here. Verse 3 and verse 7. And while I'm talking about that, let's look at verse 3. Chapter 3, verse 3 first. Can two walk together except they be agreed? See, the agreement's important too with us and God. I can't, if I'm not doing what he told me to do, then I'm not in agreement. I'm, I'm walking in contrariness to God. And he's, you know, he's not going to put up with that either forever. I just know he's kept me a long time and, and you know, been good to me. Amen. And whenever I sincerely repented for something. Uh, all kinds of things. Uh, he said, Michael, I receive you and I forgive you. Just like they sang. Now, I'm not trying to be funny. I remember I see Joe back there, Joe Reuter. And like him, I think I was hooked on everything but phonics when I was a drug addict. I'm not kidding. You. I had all kinds of stuff in my life. And I won't even mention some of it. It's just too ugly. But I felt like I had a, one of those brass uh, carts in a big, nice hotel. Not these little funky little things that got looks like a push cart in a grocery that there's no buck there's no basket. What were they thinking? I'd like somebody to just have somebody on their team that knows just common sense like me. I could help them. I don't know what's wrong with people. They deteriorated that. I mean, those brass carts will hold on so, so much, but I felt like I had three or four pulled together. You know, when I first got saved, that was my luggage. I felt like everything I looked at and all, did and all that, I was just full of nonsense and rebellion. And I thought, well, I'm just going to have to take one thing at a time. I can't do the whole thing overnight. And that's what he told me. You just come to me and I'll clean you up. Amen. Okay. And he worked on me in different areas. He put his finger on something one time. I didn't, and I didn't realize that, you know, and he said, you, you can't back, act like that. You can't do this and that. Okay. I want you to repent and change it. Okay, I'll do that. So I did that. He's done with me that a lot, a lot of times. Once or twice he was really mad. It wasn't about running off with somebody or anything like that or shooting dope. It was about something silly to me at the time. But I, was, I really ticked him off. And he let me know it. I said, I'm very sorry. I repented that. And I started crying and stuff. You know, I'm a pretty sensitive person. I don't sound like it sometimes when I'm preaching, but I really am. All right. I'm still in Amos 3, verse 7. It's talking about the prophet. Surely the Lord God will do nothing, but he revealeth his secret. Think about that. God is revealing secrets to some of us, and he can reveal secrets to you in your personal life as a sheep. I'm not putting that down. But he indicates this is specific and more warranted maybe in the prophet's ministry. But he revealeth his secret unto his servants, the prophets. God just had a thing for prophets, I think, in the Bible. Of course, they were the, in the Old Testament, they were highly anointed and and people went to him for a lot of things. We don't have to go to them now. I can, I'm not your God, and I can't direct you to do things unless it's just a simple question. I'm not required. You're not required to come to me to check about everything. How many know what I'm saying? And it's, and it's scriptural to do that in the New Covenant. You need to learn to hear from God yourself. Yeah, yourself. I said you. You need to learn for yourself how to do that. How am I going to do it? Well, how about praying in tongues more than you think you can? 
How about sitting down with your Bible and just committing to read for 30 minutes a day and then go to 45, then maybe to an hour. You know, maybe you have too much on your life. You, can't, you think you can't do that. I don't know. But you're not going to get very far without this word. And you're not going to get far, far, even if every page convicts you. Just still, just take it and say, Father, I'm sorry. I didn't realize that. And I'm changing right now. And you can make a little decision inside yourself that you're not going to live like that anymore. Now, you know, if your friends all do things they shouldn't do, watch things they shouldn't watch, talk like they shouldn't talk, think like they shouldn't think, then I'd get away from them if they were dedicated to those things because they will suck you up. Make you feel like you're the weird one. You're not weird. You're just trying to be set apart for God. Yeah, we all should feel like that. I wanted to be better for God to use me. Pastor Dennis, your message was outstanding today. Surely the Lord God will do nothing but he revealeth his secret unto his servants, the prophets. You know, when I said that earlier about those families, I was not mad at those families. I was just praying over the church, and all of a sudden, that they popped up, they popped up. <laughs> Maybe not all in the same moment, but the same day. And then I came to Donna and said, write this down. And, you know, and they all left. And different reasons. None of them made sense to me. But if you want to leave, you can just leave, I guess. I mean, I'm not going to hunt you down. You don't want to be here. I'm trying to help people, but you know. Anyway, let's see. Did we read that? Yeah. He's revealing secret things that maybe he, he would reveal to more people, but if they're not getting over there in the spirit enough, then maybe you wouldn't even see it, see it or feel it or need it. But if you do walk with God, you're going to have to be close to him. Yeah. I mean, I'm talking to me too, as well as you. I'm just talking. The prophet is an unusual person. Prophets are, it could be female or male. All right, and this is the next one. I'm on four. I think I got nine. This is going to go pretty quick. I've only been preaching 20 minutes on this part. Thank you. So the, peop- the prophets are people of demonstration. Let's look over here in 1 Corinthians chapter 2. I mean, I got a couple of scriptures here. This helps us identify uh, things. And listen, the, you know, the gifts of the Spirit are for every day and for different reasons, but you may not operate in the Spirit every day you live but you can still walk in the spirit every day and a lot of times I get stuff in prayer probably more than I do publicly and I deal with it in the spirit that's how the Lord uses me I think he uses anybody that will give themselves to prayer alright I'm just talking here but let's read this scripture here 1 Corinthians 2 verse 4 and 5 and my speech is Paul writing my speech what I'd normally say and talk and my preaching. So he, he indicated there were two different things. You know, it's one thing how people talk to, to each other. And it's another, if they're a preacher, what they preach. So evidently, there's two different things represented here. It is daily speech with people, or interaction with humanity. He makes sure his speech and his preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and the power. You know, you with me? And notice that he said uh, his preaching and his speech, there was demonstrations in both. I remember I was with Dr. Fring one time at a restaurant, and I had been in his camp meeting the last, uh, the last June, and it was up towards the winter. I don't remember what month, actually. But I'd had pain in my body for, uh, let me think, 13 years at that point, right here in my... Right in the growing area, I felt like somebody stuck me with a spear or a javelin about that big. It came in the front and came out the back. Now, I didn't see that in the spirit. I'm just, that's what it felt like. And I was in terrible pain. And he knew about it. 
And of course, I didn't have insurance back then. So I did like everybody else does, try to fake it and get somebody to pay for it. I didn't do stuff like that. I'm just telling you. The government sends me stuff every day about Medicare and Medicaid and all. I'm not interested. God takes care of me. I do have insurance because I work here, you know. But anyway, I'm just talking. So we were eating lunch and, and the meeting the year before, I, I, I was the last night of the meeting. Or the, I think it was the last night or the Thursday night meeting. He's, he's got a project. He always had a project. I just had a project with you about my plane and Amen. stuff like that. And you don't need to come and tell me what I need to do either. People think they can just talk to me like, I didn't ask for your opinion on this. I'm just being honest with you. I don't need your opinion. God's opinion is the only one I'm looking for. But I have owned an airplane before for eight years and took care of it and paid for it and all that kind of stuff. There's a lot to it. Anyway. Just thought you'd like to hear me think what I'm thinking. <laughs> yeah, I've had people do me all my life like that. What you thought about that? Yes, I have thought about that. I've thought about all of it and how I could do this or that. But I haven't got a word from God, so I'm not going to act on something. All right. Now, what was I saying? You're going to have to help me. I got lost. Huh? Oh, yeah. So what preachers do now, they go to a conference from a big group that's, that's in their group and they try to tell you what's going to put you over. Wearing a Hawaiian shirt? Come on. Bring your sermons down to 20 or 30 minutes. Either have the Lord's Supper every service or never have it. I don't care what you do. You know, if, if, and they think that's going to build their church. You might really just tell them to go to some ball game. You're not training them anyway. You're not teaching them. That's never the way to build your church. I can't find that in the Bible. People try to talk smooth to me and, oh, oh, you know, there's nothing wrong with being in a group. Yeah, if you're in the right group, but not compromising the word. And that always said there's four types of dirt and three of them don't ever produce anything. Then he also says, uh, Brother Hagin said this, and very few preachers even, not just the prophet, all the preachers that say they're preachers, and some of them are really. He says they never get even to the first phase of their ministry and they die especially in middle age, about 50 or 60. Because they didn't, they didn't seek God for what they should have done. See, you, you, God's got to play a part in all this. I'm not making it hard. You're just not listening. <laughs> and you have to be willing to change things. How about that one? And I said to the Lord a while back, I'm willing to change everything you do. You want me to go to another country and preach? I'm glad to go there. I'll go wherever you send me on the planet. I'll live there and I won't complain. So I'm open to that. If he speaks to me, I'll do it. Not that I don't like America. That's not it. But I just wanted him to know I'd be willing to do whatever he told me. Yeah, Yeah. thank you so much for your enthusiasm. (laughs) Anyway, so that's what I meant here. Sometimes we get with people and they got a notebook that's going to tell us how to be successful. And you could learn something from somebody that's been successful. I'm not belittling that. I mean, there's a Mormon guy that's very successful I've heard of. It's very generous and Millionaire on top of millionaire, and he really loves, you know, he loves whatever he's into. <laughs> Be cautious there. Yeah. So it's just, uh, you've got to figure some things out for yourself. Yeah. I'm not trying to run a popularity contest. Yeah. I just know, I was just so pleased. I went to a church somewhere, I'm not going to mention where it's at, and there was a guy getting out of a car over here, and we pulled up. We were on this side of the main door, and he was over there, and he got out, and I got out on this side. I, was, I had a driver and two people in the back. We started in the church, and the guy looked like 
to me, he looked like he was a street person. His hair is all a musk. He was overweight. I talked, I had a sermon. I was going to try to help him. And I said, how are you doing tonight, sir? He said, not too good. I said, well, maybe God will touch you tonight in the meeting. Oh, that'd be great. So anyway, I went on and preached, and I got to a place. I said, if you're tormented in your mind, get up here. Mm-hmm. He came up, and I prayed for him, and he got delivered. He called the church the next day and said, when Dr. Jacob prayed for me, something came out of my chest or left me. Hallelujah. That's what I call success right there. <laughs> now, I'm not there to stay, you know, but I left my material there. I had material. It was left on my book table. I said, why don't you just keep it? You have a bookstore here? Yep. I said, just keep it and keep the money. I told the pastor, she's the lady, about it. The other guy, well, she, she didn't tell me, but somebody else told me. They called the church and said, you know, I got delivered last night. I said, well, praise God. You just never know what people are going through sometimes. Anyway, where was I at here? Talking about, okay, here we go. Let me read this verse 4 and 5 again. And my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and the power that your faith or my faith, we could say, should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Think about that. Your faith needs to be centered up in the power of God. Yeah. Not the power of Michael. <laughs> the power of God. But see, the more you know how to believe God, when you get around somebody that has something to give you, and you take it into consideration, you think about it, and then you get in a receptive mode. I think that's the reason people don't get it sometimes. That they're not thinking. They just come in emergency mode and say, well, I'm going to go up here. I'll get it. Well, you might get it. I'm not holding back on anybody. I'll let you have it, what I have. I, that's what I've said to you for a year. Whatever's in me, I'll let flow to you if you receive it. But you have to have faith to receive it. Yeah. And if you don't know how to receive, you need to get back in the Word until you know what it means to receive. When you pray, you believe you receive. When you feel better, no. When you pray, you believe you receive. When it looks better, no. When you pray, you believe you receive. That's the Bible. That's the standard. Yeah. Oh, anyway. I never finished left off with Dr. Dufresne. I left him back at Old Charlie's. <laughs> so I was at his meeting the, the, the June before, and I was sitting there, and of course I loved him, and I brought money to give in the offerings, but I was out of money. It's a Thursday night, and he's have a special offering. I don't remember what it was. He always had special offerings. You know, and I think that's good if you've got a project. So I said, Father, I'm out of money. He said, well, are you not out of faith, are you? Oh, I love that. I wish God would talk to you like that sometime. <laughs> you have faith, don't you? And I said, yes, sir. I said it out loud. Yes, sir, I do. He said, write a check, write it, write it, get that envelope, put, I, I'm giving you $1,000 when it comes in, sign your name to it, and I'll give it to you. And I did, and it came in, and I, I handed the check to him at lunch is it, within the year. And I'll never forget it. He was eating with me at Old Charlie's. I don't really think it's over there anymore. I think they, somebody bought it. He laid his fork down and fire shot out of his eyes. I was just being him eating. He said, Michael, all that money that you got indebted to because you were sick and had to pay a credit card for your body, all the tests they brought you to, God's going to take care of that. And more importantly, your pain in your side is going to leave you. I dropped my fork and said, praise God. (laughs) As I'd been in pain for about 13 years at that point. And, you know, I think it was maybe in the winter we went. So about December of that year, maybe 10 months later, that, that pain down just went, boop. It didn't make that sound, but it boogied. <laughs> and within six or eight weeks, now this is a true story. We didn't tell anybody we owed that on, insur- on our cards because who are you going to ask to help you? you know, right. I'm not a beggar. Right. 
So anyway, I don't know. All, my wife handled the money, and she said, well, we got $4,000 this week. You what? Yeah, and we're going to pay that bill off, like doctor said, and we got the whole amount, 20000 within six or eight weeks, and she paid everything off on the card, and all that was on there was medical bills. You know, they make you strip down, they stick stuff up you, make you drink things, put you in the machine, take film of you. It's not very flattering. No, I'm just telling you, I did what I had to do because I hurt so bad. You, you get hurting bad enough, you just about do anything. But I just remember when he said that, something went off in me. My faith attached myself to that. And I didn't say, I just told Diana, that's all one person I told what happened right then. And God sent the money. I don't even know who sent what. We never told you, any of you about that until after the fact. Maybe some of you helped me. I don't know. But it came. 20 grand. Got us out of debt on that card. It was all medical stuff, too. All right. Praise the Lord. I had faith in the power of God to do that. <laughs> I certainly didn't know how I was going to get it, but I knew he spoke it because he's a prophet. And listen to me, the prophet's words, I'm not bragging about me, I'm just Michael. And I wouldn't have any gift if he wasn't attached to me. I'm, so I'm not bragging. It's not about bragging. It's about helping you understand this ministry. The, the prophet has a different anointing on him. And he told me that when, when he ministered to me in Kuwait, you were there when he said to me, you followed in the footsteps of the prophet. Now you make your own footsteps as a prophet. He pointed to himself. You followed in the footsteps. And I was laying on the Persian rug in the sands of Kuwait. I was awake. I mean, I, was, I fell out because he touched me. But then I looked up and he was standing there talking to me. And then he said, the anointing you come in and out of, went in and out, has come to abide. And uh, praise God. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say something about something there. And he, he got in the back of the bus. There was a seat in the back. It was a nice bus. I mean, fancy, but 15 passengers or something. And he, I got on the thing. He went like that, and he went, patted the seat by him to come back and sit by me. And I came back, had a 30-minute drive over there, and he said, now I want to talk to you about the prophet's mantle on your life. I said, yes, sir. And, boy, I just had a personal 35-minute uh, special seminary, whatever you call it, yeah. with Dr. Dufresne about that ministry gift. And he knew me. He said, you know, you do this, and you're going to have to not do that that way. And he started correcting me because he knew me. I appreciated it. I appreciated it greatly. You've got to have faith in the power of God. Faith in the power of God. I think he brought it up today. It was worth every penny of $8,000. That's what it took to go there. I paid, uh, let's see, I think it was $17,000 to one time go with him on a plane, a special plane that we took to Siberia. Oh, praise God, you're not very generous, are you? <laughs> yes, who are these men? Yeah. That prophecy, who are, I've got it in my Bible right there. Who are these men? Yeah, that was part of what we were doing then that day. It was funny. They, it's just funny. Anyway, I had a great time. So we're people of demonstrations and things like that. Let's go to 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. I'm doing pretty good on time, really. I'm just trying to give you some things that I know about a little bit in a, in a measure. I'm not fully, maybe not fully matured in that area, but I'm beginning to be. I'm stretching like Dad's, like uh, Pastor Dennis said, I'm stretching to be all I could be. Amen. So 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 5, for our gospel, our gospel, that's Paul's gospel. I mean, some people call the gospel other things, but he's talking about his gospel that he preached. Came not unto you in word only, but in power. And in the Holy Ghost, as, and in much assurance, as you know what manner of men we were among you for your sake. 
Notice it's all about helping other people too. But he says the gospel didn't come in just word only. You know, sometimes I tried to watch TV occasionally when a preacher's on. But sometimes they, I don't know what they've, they said some things, but they didn't make it clear and they didn't tell you how to operate in it. It concerns me. I, one guy was on there. Of course, my wife knew him pretty well. She said, don't watch that. Don't watch that, honey. You'll be mad by the time you get to church. <laughs> and sure enough, I was mad. Arr. He was supposed to be teaching on angels, and I said out loud in the living room, we'll see what this joker knows. I shouldn't have said that because he, I should have respected his office. He's a pastor, got a big congregation. That's all I know. He's going to talk about angels. I said, oh, well, let's see what he got to say. He said two or three good things, then he just zipped his Bible up and let everybody go home. He didn't even pray for the angels to help him. There's just all kinds of weirdness out there. I was contacted from another ministry that publishes stuff, and I told them, I said, well, I was at Walgreens one time, and they had a book in there of $15 because it had a fancy cover on the book. It was a children's book, and I'm a fast reader when I want to be. I grabbed it and read the whole thing in 10 minutes, and I put it back on the shelf. I said there wasn't anything in that you could use. It was all fluff. I wanted to do a children's book, and I, I couldn't get the right people to help me at the time. I might want to do that again. I don't know. I don't know what I'm going to do about this company, me. I just got figuring it out. <laughs> they say they can help me. We'll see. I don't know. They may be helping me. They may be helping them. Oh, we'll see. I'm just talking. None of your business. I'm just talking. <laughs> Not bragging about anything. I don't have anything to brag about. You know, and I said, I might not oppose you if you change one of my covers, but if you start messing with the contents, I'm going to have to say no. Just let them do what I was thinking already. Because if it becomes your book, not my book, then what's the point? I was nice, wasn't I, Sean? Where are you at? Are you in here? And I said it nicely, didn't I? And I said, if you're going to pressure me to give you an answer right now, it's No. Because I haven't had enough talking to you and you didn't answer my main question that I asked you earlier. <laughs> Which is how much do I get out of it? Uh -oh. So I said, I'm telling you, if, you're good, if this is going to be our only time to talk, then I'm going to tell you no now. But if you're willing to come back on to another Zoom meeting, let Sean and I think a little further about it and put some other questions together. Not that we don't trust you, but we don't know you. Right. You're offering to help me, but I know you've got to make money or you're not helping anybody. Right. You're, you're in a business to make money with yeah. books and stuff. I wasn't mad, just talking. You know, I'm not a dummy. Okay. We're still talking about the prophet. I was trying to be part prophet then maybe too. I don't know. Just talking here. People of demonstration, sometimes they act strange. You know, I was at a church in Louisville one time. Uh, and the lady got in the prayer line and she had a little coat on like my jacket, something like that. And I don't know, I'd been halfway down the prayer line. And I was on a little step going to the, up to the altar. I was down there. She said, you think God's got anything for this? And she went like, and it was like you'd cut a, a, a grapefruit in two. And there was a tumor about, about that size, about that thick off of her side. And before I said anything, I slugged her in the side as hard as I could. It, it disappeared. You think God's got something for this? My hand just melted that thing down. I, it, it just, she said, where'd it go? I said, don't try to look for it. Don't, please. <laughs> I think she didn't think anything was going to happen. And she wanted to look for it. Who's going to look for a tumor? I said, ma'am, the Holy Ghost, the life of God swallowed that up. That's where it's at. 
and you don't want to look for it. And then I was over at my friend's church. What's his name? Patterson? Arthur Patterson? <laughs> he had a great church. He had a cooking band. They were all black folk, and boy, they could get it on. <laughs> and I would go over there once a year and preach for him, bring my congregation. He'd come here on a Wednesday and bring his congregation. He'd preach here, and I'd preach over there. So we're doing that, and I had a word about depression. I've had a lot of success with people being delivered from depression. And I went down through there, and there, all of a sudden in line was Tawanta Phelps. She's a lady in our church. She's a white girl, but she sounds like she's, hey, yeah, 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 hey. Tawanta, it sounds like an Indian name. So I, I thought her name, I started thinking of the Indian, hey, yeah, 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 hey, yeah, yeah. That's just the way I think. I don't tell everybody that unless I'm telling this story. But <laughs> she got delivered another time in my ministry. An angel went with me to the hospital. She was dying, had just a few hours to live, and all of a sudden I prayed for her, and, and she said, who's that with you? I said, it must be one of my angels. And she said, man, he's tall. I said, well, good. He's helping. And laid hands on her, and all the machines started buzzing and beeping. I'd stop by the nurse's station, go into her room. How's Tawana doing? said, you better go see her quick because she's going to die not too long from now. And all the machinery started doing weird stuff, and the nurse ran back in, disconnected. said, well, she looks like she's getting better. I don't know what happened. I said, well, we prayed for her. Yeah. Of course, she lived. And... Yeah. But anyway, she's in this prayer line for depression. And when I get to her, and this kind of, I think it's a great story. I love it. Her husband was a Marine that just got back from Afghanistan, and he's 6'2", and I'm about 4'7", I don't know, about <laughs> I might be 5'7", I don't know. Anyway, <laughs> she stands in front of me, and I think she's thinking I'm going to lay hands on her and pray, and all of a sudden, the Lord said, hit her in the stomach as hard as you can, and I said, oh my gosh. I didn't act anyway with her, I just said, okay. And, you know, you had been proud of me, and I just reached my hand out like that, and I prayed a really good pastoral prayer. You would have said amen and been impressed. <laughs> so I took my hand off her. She stood there a few minutes, and she turned to go back down the aisle. Then God screamed at me. I'm glad he didn't, everybody didn't hear it. He said, are you going to obey me or not? Just like that. And I said, yes, sir. Hey, Tawana, come back. God's got something special for you. <laughs> she had no idea I was going to. Anyway... <laughs> I was so glad she lifted her arm and she closed her eyes. I, that was my moment of freedom when she closed, bam. And I hit her right there and this spirit came out of her chest kind of wiggling. Like, it looked like a bird. I've seen them come out of other people before too. And they have a demonic head on them though. And, she, and so that spirit flew through that wall. But she was down. You know, she fell out. And then she came to me after the service and I was so thankful because her husband's a Marine just home from being in war. And I thought, if this doesn't work, he's going to beat me up in the parking lot. <laughs> you know, Why'd you hit my wife? So he knew me, though, and she came up and said, uh, they told me what happened to me. I said, well, did you feel me sluggy? Did you know I sluggy? No, I just felt the anointing and fell out. But something odd happened when I started to fall down. Ah, okay, what was that? Well, something came out of my chest, and she went like that. I said, yeah, it was, a, it was the spirit of depression come out your chest when I hit you yeah. in the belly. It, that anointing on my hand drove him out. Amen. And he flew through that wall. You're delivered. Hey. Praise God. Now, ladies, don't be afraid to get in the prayer line with me. I've only done that twice. I'm batting a thousand. All right. All right. Praise God. Now, here's another one. Confrontation. Prophets are people of confrontation. Doesn't mean they're yelling and screaming, but there is a confrontation like Nathan with David. Remember the prophet... Uh, Nathan uh, got with David and said, you know, 
you did this terrible thing and I'm going to have to punish you somehow. What do you want, this, that, or the other? And he decided, David did, and that's what happened. Now, you got to realize when you think about David, unfortunately, everybody thinks about Bathsheba and her husband that he had killed, which is not easy stuff to have adultery and, and then your family and then have her husband killed. But God said he's done everything right except that two events. He said it in the Bible somewhere in the Old Testament. I don't remember the exact scripture. But it didn't make it justified. But God was just merciful to him anyway. But he needed to be confronted. So either you're going to do this or this. He gave him a choice, two or three things, I forget. And he corrected David for that. Elijah with the prophets of Baal. I'm still trying to figure out how he got him to stand still long enough to kill him. There's four or five hundred of them. And him, just him. A powerful man of God for sure. And then John the Baptist, boy, he was, he was just wild. I mean, he saw Herod and he screamed from where he was standing. You can't have that woman. She's not your wife. She was your brother's wife or something. Yeah. Boy, he hated him for that. Because yeah. he's a big shot. He's king. Got some money. Got some clout. Got a lot of women probably as a king. That's just the way they lived back then. Still live like that sometimes. Yeah. Anyway, uh, you know, then when, you know, his girlfriend which he married or something. She had a daughter that was a dancer at the club. And she told her, you go in there and shake around and do whatever. And then he's going to say, I'll give you whatever you want. And you ask him for John the Baptist's head. Yeah. See, they hated him for that because they, got, they got corrected. Yeah. Yeah. It's a mess. But there is confrontation sometimes. And sometimes it's not easy to deal with either side of it. But you have to be willing to deal with things. Yeah. yeah. I had to tell some people some things that weren't comfortable, but... Uh, you know, people got mad at me. They would never receive, turn, return my phone calls after that. But they asked me to meet with them because they were in trouble. And so I just had to be honest. I said, you don't have a ministry right now. You just need to quit talking like that. Till you fix this situation in your home, you don't have a ministry. What's wrong with you? Why can't you understand me saying that? But that was the end of that relationship with me and that whole family. And they asked me to come and meet them someplace in America, I'm not telling you where, and come and talk to them privately in the hotel room and do what I could to salvage something. And I did my best, but they, now not he wasn't against me, but she hated me for that. But I wasn't right. Yeah. You know, it wasn't right. How many know things are not right sometimes and people trying to con you? <laughs> I wasn't mad at her. I just said, you got to think different. You are not, you're not in full-time ministry right now. You're, you're, you're on the right. sideline, buddy. Right. Listen right. to me. You can have all that restored much more, but you got to get this together. Yeah. <coughs> Wouldn't be in me trying to be honest. Okay. So, anyway, let me see where else I can go here. Many times it will be and can be a private confrontation. That was private, just between me and her husband and me. But still, there was, there was no receiving of what I said. And I wasn't trying to hurt anybody's feelings. They asked me to, they want to talk to me because I, I was involved in their life as a counsel or whatever you want to call it. And then sometimes the, the prophet, this is another one you have to be careful about. It's called grief. And sometimes you're saddened by what grieves God. See what Pastor Hadball said today. See, God is not impressed with all that. He's, he's concerned for America, I'm sure. Well, he's not worried about it because he got, he's got availability to get that all turned around. But when people just do the thing that they do now and act crazy, oh, that's how, that causes grief to him, his heart. And the prophets always pick that up normally if you're in tune with God. Now, if you're doing stuff yourself, it w you wouldn't be in tune. 
All right, just thought I'd talk. And sometimes, like Dr. Frank said one time to me, you'll think you're in depression yourself. Because you're, you're grieving with God about, remember we read that in Amos, you know, he doesn't do anything unless he talked to his prophets first. And we're not in charge, but we, he knows we understand how he feels. And sometimes you're saddened by what grieves God. It isn't an excuse to be moody, but uh, he, gets, uh, he gets grieved and could be depressed if it's not handled correctly. It's important to pray for the prophets. And I'd, I'd, I'd love you to pray for me, like Colossians 1, 9, and 10. You could pray that, or 2, 11 even, about being in the perfect will of God. Amen. Things like that, Colossians 1, 9, 10, 11 there. Be strengthened with might by His Spirit in my inner man. And sometimes I wrote this too. I think I'm still on the same one uh, about stuff. It says, atmospheres need to be right, and many times... In the congregation, or some somebody somebody did something that quenched the spirit yeah. in a meeting. I was in Mexico City. I wasn't in Erasmo's church right here. He's my friend, but they were in that meeting with me. It was, it was Pastor Ricardo at the upstairs a preschool thing with Disneyland characters on the ceiling. Remember, we had an earthquake that night, and they were all shaking. Dis, you know, Daisy, and all of them were <laughs> Mickey Mouse, grumpy. I don't know about grumpy, but anyway. I had a word about cancer, and about seven or eight people came up. They'll remember this. And I prayed about three, for three of them, and all of a sudden, the anointing just flew away. And I just stood there a second. I said, something's wrong here. I don't... Hey, you, get out of that cabinet. What's wrong with you? They got in the preschool cabinet, got out Oreos and Pepsis. And I said it just about that lad, didn't I? I screamed at him. Hey, go sit in the car. Get out of my meeting. You dumb person, what's the matter with you? What if this was your mother, your son, your uncle, your grandmother, and you're over there partying like you're at a picnic? What is wrong with you? Did you know them? No, and I didn't care to know them when they did that on me because the anointing flew away. You say, well, you're too tough. No, you're too soft. When the anointing lifts, I can't heal anybody of anything, much less cancer. <laughs> I think everybody else stood to, kind of rigid on me for a while. They thought I was too something. I said, just go sit in the car or put that down and pay attention and get in faith with me because you should love these people there in your church. I don't know what they were thinking. Then a, a prophet is a man of intercession. Normally he is. And sometimes mainly deep intercession. But you have to have the spirit to help you get in some of that with deeper inter, uh, intercession. You can't just say, well, I'm going to intercede. Well, you can say that and you can go for a certain level but to get in a travail thing or something, that has to be God putting you into that. Yeah. Are you listening? Yeah. I remember one time I was here with my prayer group. We were over in the, what's now the old kitchen over there, kind of that room right out of my, you know, back here. Not the big fellowship, all the small one. We had carpeted in. And I was with about 15 intercessors. Donna was there. Dale was there. And some others that I think are still here. And I fell on my face and I began to pray and I began to get into some other dialect. And I wonder, what in the world am I praying about? But it was grieving me. I don't know if you remember that, Donna. They were standing around me. I just fell out on the floor on my belly and started praying. And I found myself praying in some other language I'd never prayed before. But I was scheduled. I think it was me and Mike Mullinan. We were going to the Navajo Nation in about two weeks out in Arizona. And I got out there. And the minute I got off, out of the truck, I, these Indians were talking to each other. That's the language I was speaking. Never heard anything like that before in my life. It's so complicated. 
You know, the Navajos, they were called the code breakers. They, they saved World War II because the Germans and Japanese couldn't ever figure out their words. They're Indians. But they have a code and they can speak clear, you know, concisely, but I didn't know about it. Norning hit me back here and I found out why, because they are so um, spiritual out here. I didn't say it was good. You said they were spiritual. Some of them were Christians and I was going to preach to Christians. But some of the leaders said, you know, all of us that are in leadership out here, we go to the door, there'd be somebody knocking on the door. We'd open the door, there'd be a, whirl, a wolf on his back legs talking perfect Navajo to us. Spiritualism. They take beasts and they can talk and all that kind of stuff. They're just integrated. They're integrated that way. Yeah. There's good people and bad people. You know, even Americans, just whatever. You know, you can get in all that stuff too, but I wouldn't do it. And I found out maybe there was a lot more demonic activity out there than I realized. And I was praying through that when I was, fell out in the spirit over there Amen. and prayed in tongues, some other language, some t- tongue. And it sounded like the Navajos when I got out there. Just interesting. Yeah. I don't do that every week, but I did do it then. And I've done that a few other times with releasing angels too. Hallelujah. So intercession, sometimes it gets you, it can put you out there and you can take care of things in the spirit when you know that that's the Lord doing that to you. And with my ministry, sometimes it comes with a vision, not every time, but many times, I see a prophet, you know, I mean, I see something in that prophetic realm, and then I can go pray further or address it, or maybe say it that way. Then, uh, intercept, I mean, that uh, prophets are men of hope and expectation. That's a big thing with them. And so that's important to know that. And last but not least, they're people of humility. I mean, Dr. Dufresne, if you didn't know him, you, you maybe wouldn't discern that, but he was a very humble man, very humble. I appreciate that about him greatly. Are you listening? Yeah, he just really, and he just loved me. I don't know, I mean, I just know that God put that together with me and him because we didn't know each other at all until he came here at church when I asked him to come, and he came. He jumped off the platform that last night and came over to me and grabbed me and gave me a big embrace said, let what I have go into him. Now, I had no idea fully what he was saying right there. Something jumped in me and started working down here. And he discerned, he told me later, he discerned I was a prophet, but I was at a standstill. Why? Because I'd rutted this church in teaching. I wasn't moving in the Holy Ghost like I am now. And that was my fault. And when he came... Because I'd rutted all of you, or those who were with me back then, in teaching. He, didn't, he never did teach. He just threw his Bible up here and started walking around ministering to people. You, some of you thought I lost my mind. Because <laughs> I would teach, you know, for a long time and give you 35 scriptures. And I'd be irritated if you got up to use a potty or something. But I changed. I've changed now. Thank you for joining us today. To view Dr. Jacob's travel itinerary, order products, and more, please visit cotrin.org slash mjm.